Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. Uh, My guest is from Japan, Yoshifumi Saisho. He's at the Department of Internal Medicine, Keio University uh, in Tokyo. We're going to talk about uh, an aspect of diabetes. So, Yoshifumi-san, thank you for coming. How are you doing? Hi, Richard. I'm fine. Thank you for having me on this podcast. Nice yeah. to meet you. Well, tell uh, me about I, your uh, your research, please. So I'm a physician working at the University Hospital in Japan. When I became a doctor, I would like to be a doctor who can see the entire patient rather than some specific organ, for example, heart or stomach. Also, I am interested in prevention of the disease, which can control the disease at least in part by ourselves. Therefore, I chose internal medicine and diabetes as my specialty. So okay. when when I was a medical school student, I have learned that type 2 diabetes is characterized by obesity, insulin resistance, and compensatory hyperinsulinemia. However, when I graduated from the medical school and saw the patients as a doctor, I noticed that many patients with type 2 diabetes are not obese in Japan. Oh, really? So, so in Japan, mm-hmm. people have diabetes, but they don't tend to be obese? Yes, it's kind of interesting, but uh, the mean BMI of uh, patients with type 2 diabetes in Europe or America uh, is approximately 32 or more, more. But in Japan, the mean BMI of uh, uh, patients with type 2 diabetes is approximately 24 or 25. Wow. Uh, smaller than yeah, Caucasian. I think that's the uh, the limit here for being considered overweight. Yeah, but uh, um, also the proportion of uh, patients with diabetes, incidence of um, patients with type 2 diabetes is uh, almost similar uh, between Japan and uh, America, USA. Really? So, yeah, we think we are uh, more susceptible, susceptible to get diabetes uh, with less obesity compared to uh, Caucasians. Well, how has the uh, the diet of the typical Japanese person changed over the past, you know, the, I guess recently, the past 20 years? Uh, yeah, after World War II, um, we are changing uh, our lifestyle very much. So we are now, a Western uh, diet is um, very popular in Japan as well. So westernized diet and sedentary lifestyle is um, are the cause of uh, increasing diabetes in Japan as well as in uh, other countries. Oh. I would like to talk about that, that the difference between, uh, I think the difference between Caucasians and Japanese um, in terms of uh, uh, phenotype of type 2 diabetes is uh, due to the difference in uh, bed cell cell mass or function. So I would talk... What are, uh, for listeners, what are beta cells? Our beta cells. Our beta cells uh, secrets insulin 
so oh, insulin is uh, only hormone uh, which can uh, lower uh, blood glucose level in our body. So oh, and the beta cells are scattered uh, as a beta cells and other endocrine cells are scattered as a cluster um, called as Langerhans islets within the pancreas. So we have one million uh, islets, Langerhans islets, uh, in our pancreas. But uh, collectively, and uh, total of bed cell mass was is only uh, approximately one gram in our body. So this wow. tiny organ uh, controls the blood glucose level in the body uh, within very narrow range. Uh, that is 70 to 120 milligram per deciliter. So it's a very precious <laughs> organ within our body. So a million beta cells only weigh about a gram? Yes, yes. Medium uh, islets, uh, some cluster of beta cells, only uh, uh, account for one gram. Wow. Huh. Very, very tiny organ. Yeah. What, um, when, when people get diabetes, um, how many beta cells do they have left? Has anyone measured that on average? Uh, yeah. Um, so the, we can measure, uh, we can evaluate beta cell function by um, measuring plasma insulin or C-peptide levels, which is a mark of insulin secretion, endogenous insulin secretion. But uh, unfortunately, it's uh, not possible to directly measure uh, beta cell mass in vivo in humans so far. So uh, to clarify the physiological and pathological changes in beta cell mass in humans, we are using um, um, autopsy samples or um, samples pancreas uh, from from the patients who, who underwent pancreas surgery. And uh, uh, we use, uh, by using these uh, pancreas tissue samples, uh, we are measuring uh, beta cell mass by immunohistochemical techniques. As a result, we and others uh, have shown that the beta cell mass in humans is uh, reduced by somehow 30 to 50%, 30 to 50% in patients with type 2 diabetes. Yeah, so wait, what happens when someone uh, starts having chronically high insulin and they, they become diabetic? Do their, do their beta cells die or do they shrink or do they become ineffective? Like what, what happens? Yeah, so there are many studies uh, to understand this mechanism, but we don't know yet the definite mechanisms. But uh, I think there are many uh, mechanisms contributing together for reducing bed cells. So the, one of the um, mechanisms is a bed cell apoptosis. So that, and um, here we propose bed cell workload is uh, one of the mechanisms of uh, bed cell loss in humans. So beta cells, um, again, they, they apoptose and they also shrink. Like what else happens to them? Yeah, so, so beta cells are collectively only approximately one gram. So this mm -hmm. tiny organ with one gram in weight controls our plasma glucose levels within very narrow range. So uh, when we eat excess carbohydrate, especially sugar-containing snacks or beverages, so beta cells secrete more insulin to keep plasma glucose levels within this normal range. So in rodents, such as mice and rats, the number of beta cell increases two to threefold in response to obesity. In contrast, 
studies using human pancreas tissue uh, have shown that the number of beta cells does not increase in humans as much as in rodents, that is by 0 to 50 percent. This means that in humans, individual beta cell works harder and secretes more insulin in response to obesity and insulin resistance. So we call it increase in beta cell workload, which is already present before onset of diabetes. So in our society, if we are forced to work hard for a long time, we will be overworked and exhausted. So bed cells are the same. If bed cells are forced to work hard, many intracellular stresses, such as ER stress, oxidative stress, and amyloid toxicity occur within the bed cells. So these stresses impair a bed cell function and maybe eventually lead to cell death called apoptosis in the end. So you know kaloshi. Um, kaloshi is a Japanese word which means death due to overwork. So it's not surprising oh. that the same could occur in bed cells. Huh. So that, what about mm -hmm. um, in, in type 1 versus type 2 diabetes? Has yeah. anyone profiled the beta cells to see how they're different? Yes, yes, yes. So using human uh, pancreas tissue, uh, there are many reports. So diabetes is classified as type 1 and type 2 diabetes. So type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease in which pancreatic beta cells are destroyed by immune cells, leading to insulin deficiency. So in the pancreatic tissue, we uh, uh, could find only small portion of beta cells, approximately 10% uh, or less than that. On the other hand, type 2 diabetes is uh, classically characterized by obesity, insulin resistance, and compensatory hyperinsulinemia. Therefore, in contrast to type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes is often considered as a disease of insulin resistance, but not a disease of beta cell. Mm. But it is However, also uh, a disease yeah, yeah. of beta cells too, you're finding, yes? Yes, yes, that's right, that's correct. So however, recent studies using human pancreas tissue have revealed that pancreatic beta cells are reduced in not only people with type 1, but also type 2 diabetes. So one of the famous, most famous paper, papers in this field elegantly showing reduced beta cell mass in humans with type 2 diabetes by uh, Peter Bartra and colleagues, who is also my mentor, has been published in 2003. So this suggests that the beta cell deficits are common pathogenesis in both type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Moreover, a recent studies, including our study, have also suggested that beta cells are reduced already before onset of diabetes in both type 1 and type 2 diabetes. So these findings strongly suggest the, the importance of prevention of diabetes and beta cell protection and preservation is important to prevent diabetes. So what are some ways in which uh, you can preserve your beta cells? You know, have, <laughs> have less sugar? I mean, what, you know, is it obvious? Like what, what can be done? Yeah, so the, there are many drugs and new drugs have been developed so far, but uh, still uh, lifestyle modification, avoiding intake of excess calories and especially sugar and uh, avoiding physical inactivity is a very, very important treatment, important and fundamental uh, treatment for type 2 diabetes. And also it lower a beta cell workload so that uh, leading to beta cell protection, uh, we believe. Because uh, in humans, 
beta cells has a low ability to proliferate, especially in the adulthood. So it's important to preserve our original beta cells to prevent and uh, manage a type 2 diabetes. So um, in people that, let's say, they go on a low-carb diet, have their beta cells been looked at to see if uh, you know they regrow or they proliferate <laughs> again? Uh, yes, uh, that's a good question. It um, um, still remains unclear because we cannot directly measure a beta cell mass, but um, uh, beta cell function can recover uh, by low carb diet or uh, especially uh, weight loss. Okay, oh, so, the, so the function recovers, but what if uh, half of the cells are already dead? Do any of the cells regenerate and grow back or mm -hmm. proliferate again or not? So, yeah, <clears throat> so far in rodents, uh, mice and rats have a capacity to uh, proliferate their bed cells. But uh, in humans, we have uh, less capacity because we have reported that using human uh, autopsy pancreas, uh, the bed cell mass is increased only 50% in obese non-diabetic subjects, uh, Caucasian subjects, compared to lean non-diabetic subjects. So uh, usually in rodents, they can increase two to threefold they can increase bed cell mass two to threefold, but in humans we have less ability to proliferate bed cell mass. So it's it's very important to preserve and protect bed cells by reducing bed cell workload. What other cells are in the pancreas that seem to be affected by diabetes? Is it just beta cells, or are there other cells that are affected as well? Yes, um, there are alpha cells, delta cells, and also uh, PP cells and epsilon cells, other than beta cells within uh, other endocrine cells within the pancreas. So they also uh, contribute to glucose metabolism or insulin secretion. But um, among them, alpha cells secreted in glucagon is very important factor uh, for glucose metabolism because glucagon increases glucose plasma glucose levels. Okay. So what, uh, what do you hope to figure out with your research? So the, uh, we are mainly using um, pancreas tissue, uh, human pancreas tissue, to uh, clarify the uh, physiological and the pathological change in BSMS in humans. And we, are, we now know that the ability to uh, proliferate beta cells is unfortunately small, very small in humans. So it's very important to preserve beta cells. So we know and the lifestyle modification is very important, but also it's very difficult to continue lifelong. So we, uh, I would like to propose so beta cell workload hypothesis, which makes, uh, I think, I believe that paradigm shift from glucose-centric to uh, beta cell-centric concept of diabetes. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Well, how do you measure beta cell workload? How do you gauge mm -hmm. that? Have you, have you tried to cycle <laughs> beta cells? I, um, that's a good question. It's difficult to workload. Unfortunately, there is no um, reliable marker to detect beta cell workload. 
but uh, we can still see maybe future uh, study uh, will reveal the change in metabolite or uh, metabolome analysis can find some marker for uh, BSL workload. But so far, we can only see BSL function by challenging a test meal or a glucose challenge or glucose clamp test to measure basal function. Oh, well, what, what constitutes beta cell function? Is it the amount of insulin they put out per hour or per, I mean, how do you gauge uh, beta cell function? Uh, yeah, there are some, uh, several uh, measures uh, of beta cell function, but usually uh, insulin secretion ability to uh, basal or change in glucose levels. Is there a quality of the insulin produced? Um, a speed? Uh, speed yes, are there yes. other characteristics of it that tell you, you know, the condition of the beta cells? Uh, so glucose sensitivity of beta cells is uh, one of the marker of beta cell function. Okay. Are there any other markers that are important? Again, speed of insulin production or um, speed of blood sugar reduction? Speed of blood sugar reduction, yes. Um, yes, uh, both of them are very important uh, to measure uh, base cell function. But uh, we'd like to uh, propose a, a concept of diabetes. So the, as I mentioned, um, type 2 diabetes is is classically classified, uh, characterized by obesity, insulin resistance, and uh, hyperinsulinemia, right? Right, okay. But the recent studies have shown that the bed cells are already reduced in patients with type 2 diabetes. And uh, I'm, as a physician, I'm interested in, uh, so my goal is uh, to provide uh, the best possible treatment diabetes to the patients and to support them to live a healthy, happy, and satisfying life with their disease. And also, um, in addition, my ultimate goal is to prevent and cure diabetes, although then I lose my job. So I'm seeing the patients who have unfortunately developed diabetes, but we also need to talk to the people who do not yet develop diabetes and do not visit the hospital for prevention of this disease. So then also we, need to develop more effective strategy to prevent diabetes. And for this purpose, so I would like to propose a paradigm shift of the concept of diabetes from glucose-centric to bed cell-centric concept of diabetes. So what else is different about people in America and people in Japan that are diabetic? You said in Japan, people have less body weight, but mm -hmm. what other differences are there? Mm -hmm. Any other differences? Oh, yeah. Um, BMI and insulin secretory ability is uh, different between Caucasian and uh, uh, American and uh, Japanese. So an uh, interesting thing is that there are diff different phenotypes in patients with type 2 diabetes between Japanese and Caucasians. So in general, type 2 diabetes develops in people with obesity. So, um, but we, uh, in Japan, uh, we are less obese. obese. So, Regarding this, we have found by using the uh, uh, examination histological analysis of uh, human pancreas that the number of bed cells was not increased in Japanese obese individuals without diabetes. 
while the bed cell mass is increased by 50% in Caucasian obese individuals without diabetes. So this suggests that Japanese are more susceptible to develop diabetes with less obesity due to the lower ability to increase our bed cells. It's a hypothesis, but uh, the recent genetic uh, studies and genome-wide uh, genome genome association studies have also found the difference in genes between Japanese and Caucasians, uh, which may relate to bed cell function or bed cell mass. Why do you think that uh, the Japanese are not able to handle you know, this, this sugar load or this, uh, <laughs> this insulin load? Yes, yes. That's as well a, as other cultures. Yeah, that's a big question. But uh, um, maybe genetic factors associated with this difference, but also uh, some environmental factors also uh, could be involved in this difference. But uh, um, genetic factors and environmental factors are um, interacting very uh, complex interaction. So, but, uh, so one, okay, so we have... Uh, recently uh, reported also by using uh, pancreatic tissue obtained from the patients who underwent pancreatic surgery. We have found um, that there is association between birth weight and bed cell mass in adults. So uh, lower birth weight uh, is associated with lower bed cell mass in adults. So uh, birth weight may be uh, one of the determinant of bed cell mass in adults in humans. And also we found that um, uh, childhood obesity is also associated with increased bed cell mass in adults uh, because uh, bed cells uh, proliferate. But uh, in humans, we can only see sufficient proliferation in bed cells only during uh, early life, maybe uh, before five years of old. So then, and bed cell proliferation ability declines, and um, there is very low proliferation ability of bed cells in adult humans. So childhood obesity may uh, impact, may affect uh, bed cell proliferation. So uh, the uh, different environment during the early age or childhood, early childhood, um, may impact on the the amount of bed cell uh, in the adults. So, but we need to uh, we need more uh, studies to confirm uh, or to uh, explore these factors. Have you uh, looked at the morphology and the size of beta cells in different populations to see if there's differences? Different population means uh, Caucasian and Japanese. You mean? Yeah, young and old, Caucasian, and Japanese, yeah, yeah. etc. Yes, yes, we, I saw the histology of pancreas of uh, Caucasian and young and old and lean and obese. So they, are they, they have a different uh, morphology of the pancreas. And also, uh, the amount of bed cell is uh, substantially different between individuals. So there may be a environment and the genetic factor is associated with the amount of bed cells, which, which is also associated with susceptibility of development of diabetes. But what are some of the differences that have been observed in different people 
in different populations. So um, between Japanese and Caucasians, as I mentioned, there is difference in change in BSL mass in response to obesity. And also older population and the pancreas exocrine tissue is uh, very atrophic and uh, um, they have a smaller pancreas compared to the younger uh, population. Uh, but uh, we found that um, BSL mass uh, relatively preserved uh, in these obese, uh, obese non-obese, uh, in old populations. So we have a very small ability to increase BSL mass, but we have ability to preserve BSL mass lifelong, I think. What, what percentage of beta cells are compromised in someone that has diabetes typically? And are there different levels of compromise? Beta mass is reduced by uh, 20 to 65% in patients with type 2 diabetes compared to patients without diabetes. So almost half is uh, compromised. Huh. So at that point, the person is, you know, a typical diabetic person will have, what, 40 or 50% of their beta cells gone? or just diminished in size? Usually in a reduced number of bed cell, not the size of individual bed cell. So uh, that's what, what we saw in the pancreatic tissue. So the number of bed cells are reduced by half in patients with type two diabetes. So uh, this suggests that prevention of diabetes is very important before development of hyperglycemia. Okay. Does this suggest to you any mm -hmm. other methods to preserve beta cell function? To preserve beta cell function? So, yeah, there are many uh, new anti-diabetic medications have been developed. Some of them uh, can be, uh, some of them have, have been shown to improve beta cell function. But uh, still, I mean, uh, lifestyle modification is very important because uh, if we change our lifestyle and uh, uh, lose ma our weight, the insulin resistance is reduced, which means uh, basal workload reduced. So the, uh, reducing basal workload is uh, so far the most effective way to preserve our uh, bed cells. So if we consider uh, our, if we, uh, consider our bed cells in our mind, maybe uh, it's useful to motivate to keep our healthy lifestyle for a long time. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. <laughs> I just didn't know if there's uh, other ways to, again, uh, preserve beta cell function that you have observed. You know, what, what do beta cells use to produce insulin? What are the precursors or the raw materials they use to produce insulin? No, I, I mean, beta cell synthesize uh, insulin. But how? How do they do oh. it? Is that understood how they do it? Oh, yes, it's um, transcript from DNA and RNA and uh, uh, produce uh, pre-pro-insulin. And then uh, pre-pro-insulin is cleaved and uh, cleaved in the uh, Golgi body and uh, ER, and then they put into the vesicle, secreted vesicle, and then cleaved to 
proinsulin and insulin, and then they secret uh, from the beta cells. Okay. What are some of the new drugs that are impacting beta cells in a positive way? How do they work? So we think that the beta cell centric concept of diabetes and also beta cell workload hypothesis uh, makes a paradigm shift of uh, diabetes treatment. I mean, uh, prevention and management diabetes should focus on beta cell preservation rather than just correction of hyperglycemia. In the glucose centric concept, uh, patients with diabetes often become overly anxious about the up and down fluctuations of plasma glucose and glycated hemoglobin called A1C levels. So glycated hemoglobin called A1C is a glycemic marker which reflects the average plasma glucose level over one to two months. The patients and physicians also primarily judge the adherence to lifestyle modification by A1C level. However, as type 2 diabetes is a progressive disease, A1C level will often worsen over time, which may induce a feeling of ineffectiveness and depression and cause patients to discontinue treatment. In contrast, with the best self-centric concept, since patients understand the progressive nature of the disease, they may act to delay the progression of the disease irrespective of their A1C level. Also, this may change the relationship between patients and healthcare professionals from confrontation to alliance, fighting together to protect the best cells. So this concept also helps patients to realize the importance of early treatment of preserved bed cells, also preventing clinical inertia. So clinical inertia means that failure or delay of the treatment intensification when it's needed. So finally, this concept will emphasize the importance of prevention of type 2 diabetes to the general population, endorsing advocacy of patients with type 2 diabetes. So by focusing on cell preservation, we can have the same goal, irrespective of presence or absence of hyperglycemia. Patients with and without diabetes can have the same goal. This makes an important difference in prevention strategy of diabetes, I believe. If we have the same goal, irrespective of presence or absence of diabetes, this may help to diminish the stigma of diabetes. Well, how is diabetes perceived by people in Japan? Is it shameful? You know, do they do they? <laughs> yeah, tend that's to, called uh, uh, stigma. Uh, stigma is a uh, also big problem in Japan as well as in USA. Well, in Japan, though, I mean. Or is it more of a stigma to have diabetes, or is it no big deal? Um, we are not, um, did not compare with to America, America. but in the USA, and uh, the stigma, uh, uh, diminishing the stigma of diabetes called advocacy is very active, active action in the USA. And here in Japan, we are also trying to trying to promote the advocacy of to diminish uh, the stigma of diabetes in Japan recently. Culturally, yeah, but, I mean, you live there. Culturally, mm -hmm. do you notice that people take it very seriously or do they think it's no big deal? Like, what, what do you see culturally in Japan? How uh, do yeah, people it, feel it, about it? Yeah, it depends on the individuals. But um, so that we think that uh, education or understanding of the diabetes correctly is still insufficient in Japan. Okay. I just didn't know if people saw it very differently there. But uh, what, what percentage of the population is pre-diabetic 
or diabetic in Japan as compared uh, to the U.S.? Yeah, now uh, approximately uh, 8% of the population is diagnosed as diabetes, and also 8% of the population is diagnosed as prediabetes. So uh, together, um, 20 million uh, people are considered as uh, glucose intolerance in Japan. Well, that's a lot, but the U.S. is much, much more, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, but still uh, almost similar uh, proportion um, of diabetes, despite we have uh, less obese, less obesity. Is this a new but, phenomena in in Japan? Is it, was it, you know, when did the traditional diet change? Was it more yeah. recent? Yes, yes. But uh, in these days, in 2008, we started the national annual health check, including um, major measurement of uh, waist circumference called the metabol, metabol Kenshin. So after 2008, the incidence of uh, prediabetes is now reducing. But still, um, because of our aging society, Aging is also an important factor, uh, risk factor for type 2 diabetes. So the incidence of type 2 diabetes remains uh, to be increased. But uh, prediabetes is start to reducing. So we can, yeah, maybe we can change our lifestyle again to the more healthy uh, diet. And uh, people are more interested in the healthier uh, lifestyle in Japan. You said prediabetes is decreasing. Why? Why is that? Oh, it maybe so that the promotion of the promotion of um, awareness of the uh, metabolic syndrome by measuring uh, waist circumference. So we started um, national annual health check. So uh, including uh, measuring of measurement of waist circumference. So that would impact on the. Uh, Japanese population to know about uh, metabolic syndrome and or as well as diabetes and the uh, importance of prevention of this, this disease. Well, very good. Campaign, yeah, a national campaign to establish uh, uh, annual health check uh, worked and to uh, educate the uh, people in Japan. So, uh, Yoshifumi-san, what, what is next for your research? <laughs> Over the next few years, what what do you um, hope to discover? I mean, I'm uh, working at the university hospital, so I'm a researcher, but uh, uh, still I'm a physician. So as a physician, uh, I would like to translate the research findings from bench to bedside, but not only bench to bedside, but also to from bed to the society for the prevention of diabetes. So the uh, national nations uh, proposed the SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals, uh, in 2015, containing 17 goals to promote healthy and eco-friendly society. Now many companies are interested in the SDGs, the pharmaceutical companies as well. So healthcare providers like us, like me, also should pay more attention to SDGs and share this concept. Regarding this, so motainai, uh, do you know motainai? <laughs> motainai is a Japanese word, and the concept of motainai is now paid attention to promote ecology from the world. 
Wangari Matai, uh, Kenya ecologist and the Nobel, Pri Nobel Peace Prize winner, was mm -hmm. impressed with this word and spread the Motaina campaign around the world. So Motaina is a Japanese term meaning a sense of regret concerning waste when the intrinsic value of an object or resource is not properly utilized. It can be used when something useful, such as food or time, is wasted, meaning luxury or what a waste. So there are three R's of ecology, reduce, reuse, and recycle. Motainai contains a meaning of these three R's of ecology and also respect as the fourth R. So this may be our culture and we have a kind of sense of respect to the nature in our daily life. So preserving the resources of our earth is important for ecology and to achieve the SDGs, but also considering that our bed cells are also the precious resource of our body to maintain our glucose metabolism. Preserving our bed cells should also be one of the important actions to achieve SDGs, right? The concept of ecology may be synchronized with the concept of diabetes care. Save the earth can be rephrased as save your pancreas or bed cells. So we need to reduce bed cell workload by pursuing a healthy lifestyle with respect for our body. The bed cell centric concept of diet type 2 diabetes helps people recognize bed cells as a limited and precious resource in our body as an organ with a total weight of only approximately one gram that may be lost by overuse. Maintaining a healthy lifestyle may also foster awareness of environmental issues and promote an eco-friendly society. In other words, we need to change ourselves to change the world. Integrating the more common and global goals in diabetes care will motivate people to adhere to sustainable individual lifestyle modification, eventually leading to the achievement of SDGs. Recognition of the global goals will change the way of thinking to one that lifestyle modification is not only for patients with type 2 diabetes, but also for the general population and every one of us. And sharing this concept among people with and without diabetes will possibly diminish the stigma of diabetes and increase advocacy of person-centered diabetes care. In summary, I mean, we're, we're just about out of time. What, what is the best way for people to find out more about your work? Where can they go? Oh, yeah. So you can Google my name, and I will refer you to some of my recent papers. Is there any, any other way? Uh, so people just, so the best way to, for them to find you is Google Yoshifumi Saisho, Tokyo, <laughs> and they will find it. Yeah, and uh, I will refer you to some of my recent papers on your maybe website. Okay. If you are okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, very good. Well, Yoshifumi-san, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have a nice day. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com.
This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.